Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to our 11 o'clock service on this Transfiguration Sunday. Welcome to those of you in the room. Many more we know, as always, joining us online. It's good to worship God together in this way. My name is James Howell. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Nancy Watson. Good morning, and welcome to Myers Park United Methodist Church, both you who are here and you who are joining us online at home. As James mentioned, this is the beginning of Lent. This coming Wednesday, in addition to being Valentine's Day, is also Ash Wednesday. You may receive ashes uh, from 7.30 to 9.30 in the morning in Francis Chapel, ashes on the labyrinth. They will not be at Caribou Coffee as it has been in the past. It'll be here in the labyrinth. And then during the day at 11 a.m. and again at 7 p.m. at night, we will have a service for Ash Wednesday. On Thursday uh, in the evening, we invite you to come to a screen, screening of... Um, a Binding Truth. A Binding Truth. Have you ever had your mind just go blank? Yes. A Binding I've Truth. I've never had my mind go blank. Never. That's never... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, we invite you to that, and then in a couple of weeks, we will invite you to come back for a discussion around that wonderful film. Also, on your way out this morning, if you have not already, please pick up a copy of these Lenten devotionals, a devotional for every day during Lent, lovingly prepared for you by our Stephen ministers. Now let's prepare our hearts for worship.
friends, those of us here and those of us joining us online, let's join our voices together as one as we affirm our faith using the Apostles' Creed, which you will find at number 881 in your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. But it is a gift that God calls us to him in prayer. Would you join me in our prayer of confession, which you will find in your bulletin? Let us pray. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, too hidden even to realize, and too deep to undo. Forgive what we hesitate to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, Set us free from a past we cannot change. Open us to a future in which we can be changed. And grant us grace to grow into your likeness. Amen. Friends, this is the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves his love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Old Testament reading is 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And the sons of the prophets came out and said to Elisha, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elijah, Elisha said, I pray you, let me inherit a double share of your spirit. And he said, you have asked a hard thing, yet it shall be so for you. And as they still went on and talked, behold, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading is Mark chapter 9 beginning in the second verse. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. 
and he was transfigured before them, and his garments became glistening, intensely white, as no fuller on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking to Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is well that we are here. Let us make three booths, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were exceedingly afraid. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, thank you for these two uh, readings. I love both of them. Uh, The first begins with that poignant moment. Uh, The Lord was about to take Elijah up into heaven. Elisha, uh, his disciple, his friend, uh, he, he had a sense of this, but he's in denial or maybe some anticipatory grief. I don't know. Uh, Elijah says, leave me alone, but Elisha keeps tagging along wherever he goes. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of uh, the end of uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. I wonder if Tolkien was thinking about this moment. Uh, Frodo gets away from Sam and says, I'm going to Mordor alone. And Sam says, well, of course you are, and I'm coming with you. And he jumps in the water and almost drowns, and he says, I I made a promise. I made a promise never to leave you alone. Elisha didn't want to leave Elijah, but Elijah did leave Elisha. I had a friend when I was in divinity school who died just far too young, 23. I was in her hospital room at Duke Medical Center the night before she, the night that she was passing, and I was... um, holding her hand, and she said, uh, James, you can, it, it's okay, you can go home. And I said, Daniel, I, I will not leave you. Uh, but she did leave us that night. I told uh, the next morning this to my major professor at Duke, uh, Father Roland Murphy, who's a Catholic priest. He was like a father to me in my life, and I was so broken. And I said to him, I said, Father Murphy, uh, Thaniel died last night. I just remember just the simplicity and conviction in his voice. He put his arm around me and said, she is with God. She is with God. His death was interesting. I called him on his birthday. Um, he was very frail. I wasn't sure he would make it through the day. He had emphysema. His voice was weak. Well, that'd be cool if he died on his birthday. No, he lived one day past his birthday, which was amazing. The day after his birthday was the feast day of the prophet Elijah. And Father Murphy was a great scholar of the prophet Elijah. Like, I mean, what panache for him to die on that day. That was great. And then we had the day that Jesus was shining, right? Jesus probably normally wasn't shining and glowing as he went around. He looks like everybody else. He was dirty and dusty and probably had calluses on his hands. He worked hard. Then that one day, the God who created all of the light, the God who created the stars and the sun and the moon, all light, God, God lit up Jesus' garments and, and light came into Jesus' body and, and suddenly he was transfigured into the disciples. Never seen anything like this. It's no wonder the text says they did not know what to say. <laughs> of course they didn't know what to say. And it's amazing, like not only is Jesus suddenly looking like this heavenly being, but suddenly Elijah and Moses are with him, and they've been gone a long time. Elijah, 800-something years, Moses, 1,200 years, but there they are. It's a glimpse. This is a God pulls back this curtain and says, you know, we, we know this mortal world where we find ourselves, but for that moment, God pulls back the curtain and gives, gives the disciples this, and us this glimpse into eternity, and they needed to hear that because it was right on the heels of Jesus telling the disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem, and he would suffer much, and he would be crucified, and they they were so forlorn over such news. But then God gives them this glimpse of what is to come, Easter, the resurrection to come. So amazing. You know, somebody asked me recently, by the way, every now and then I have the need to tell you about this. Somebody recently, this is so interesting when people ask this kind of question. Somebody said, 
Now, I know you say things like, Jesus is risen or whatever, and he said, but you're a smart guy. Do you really believe that, or is that just kind of the company line? I said, I don't know if it's the company line. It is for me my life line. Yes, I believe Jesus was risen from the dead. Thank you for thinking I'm a smart guy. And I believe it, and I believe I would believe it if I were a plumber or a brick mason or a banker or whatever. It's not my profession. It's what my life hinges on. Without it, we're fairly hopeless creatures, just get old and die. Anyway, any, we're often, though, aren't we, looking for transfigurative moments where the curtain is pulled back and that distance between heaven and earth, which usually seems so large, suddenly it's just that's diminished. It's, it's, just, it's just feet, inches maybe, between us and heaven. It's why you come here on Christmas Eve and we raise our candles and sing Silent Night and you, you just get this dreamy feeling inside. It's God drawing very, very near to us indeed. Might be when you hold a newborn baby, it's just, oh, it's magic. Or you run into an old friend you haven't seen in a long time, and you embrace, and then you start telling stories. You just laugh. It's so wonderful. Kate Bowler was here a couple of weeks ago. She did a podcast with the great Beth Moore, one of the great Christian writers. And Beth told her about her marriage, which she confessed, it's a hard, challenging marriage. I mean, they really struggle. She said, but every now and then we're sitting on the couch, we're watching TV and in a movie or something, there's one of those just moments that brings a tear to your eye. She said that my husband just reaches over and he just, he takes my hand. Heaven and earth. Maybe, maybe it's the first flower that you see in the spring. Maybe it will happen on Wednesday when you come and make that cross of ashes on your forehead. Maybe it's a story. One of the reasons I want you to come to this movie Thursday night is the story that, that will cut the distance between earth and heaven. It's about two guys that grew up here in Charlotte at Myers Park High School, kind of barely knew each other. One was black, one was white in the 60s. And then they went and lived on opposite sides of the country. But then they discovered they had this incredible pre-Civil War connection, and now they're best friends. It's one of the most moving stories ever. You hear a great story. Sometimes, sometimes that distance between earth and heaven, if you've ever had this, been able to do what I just described to you, hold the hand of someone who's dying, it's uh, sad, and yet there's some strange beauty about it. Uh, we've had, uh, I'm not in my most chipper mood today. Um, the reason is we've had a very sad week here in our church, uh, and a lot of it was because uh, we learned that last Sunday morning, uh, our longtime director of music named Jimmy Jones, if you're new to the church, uh, you missed it. He was amazing, uh, just a force of nature. Uh, died suddenly. He was 41 years old, way, way too young. When we first hired him, he, 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 Jimmy looked 15. Uh, he actually was 29. Some professional people said a church like ours shouldn't hire a 29-year-old for that important a job. It was a brilliant hire. He was brilliant. He dreamed outrageous dreams, and then he fulfilled them. It was just uh, remarkable. I uh, spoke at his funeral down east uh, near Sanford yesterday, and one of the things I said was that everybody here admired Jimmy's uh, talent, his work, his achievements, his accomplishments, but that wasn't really the thing. So many people here, an amazing number, loved him. They would say things like, he was like a son to me. He was like a brother to me. He was like my best friend or a cousin or something. So much love. We did not know last Sunday that he was about to leave us. Um, Jimmy always trash-talked me during the Duke-North Carolina games, which had happened the night. Now, only if North Carolina was ahead, mind you, would he do that. And the service yesterday, I said what Father Murphy had said to me when Daniel died. I said he was with God, and a couple of other speakers had said the same thing. But then I added, you know, he's with God but I'd really rather have him here. But we carry on. 
knowing that he is with God. Jimmy often spoke and challenged the choir to find what he called the thin place. It's an old Celtic notion. The distance between heaven and earth, you, we, he would hope that in, in a piece of music, in a moment, that, that we'd come to a very thin place, like an al al almost, it's almost heaven, right? Sometimes they might be singing Silent Night on Christmas Eve, or I know at our Christmas concert, people fell in love with I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, because it's got that magical moment when we sing, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. We're very close to heaven in such a moment. It's often in the music. Yesterday, the uh, organist, Danny, he was Jimmy's first organ teacher. When Jimmy was just a kid, he played the service yesterday, and he and I were talking before the service, and we both realized that at some point we'd had a conversation with Jimmy, and we'd said, you know, when my funeral comes, here's what I want you to play at my service. It never occurred to either of us that we would be present and presiding over his funeral. It just seemed so... Strange, I was remembering, uh, by the way, of, uh, I, told, I told Jimmy uh, back then, uh, I said, I want this anthem by this guy, Fetke, which the choir knows well. I thought about that this week, because when I met Jimmy, we, we came in here, and, and it wasn't an interview, we were just getting acquainted, but I loved him and knew I wanted to work with him. We sat up in the balcony there for, gosh, two or three hours, and we talked about God and life and music and all kinds of things. And Jimmy asked me a question up there that was terrific. He asked, um, will I get to work with the children? Many people in such a moment might ask, will I have to work with the children? But Jimmy asked, will I get to work with the children? Yes, yes, you will. So children in that Fetke anthem, part of what I love about it is the words are, O Lord our God, the majesty and glory of your name transcends the earth and fills the heavens. O Lord, our God, little children praise you perfectly, and so should we. I've been thinking about that all week. Little children praise you perfectly, and so should we. You know, Jesus says, unless you become like children, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. I would say, unless you become like children, you'll never get that close to that thin... I mean, what happens to us, right? You become... You become I know you can't help it. I pity you. The same thing happens to me. We become crusty, realist adults. Like, rawr, rawr. oh, it's just so pitiful. We're so pathetic. We can't help it. It's just what society does to you. But if you're a crusty realist, I mean, Jesus is always saying, become like children. Children, children are, uh, they can be just be such brats and but they're so precious because they, they're believers, right? They, they believe if you tell them grandpa is in heaven and you can talk and he can hear you, like, okay, they, they talk to grandpa in heaven. Children believe that you can walk through a wardrobe and you're in the land of Narnia. Children believe that Sam and Frodo got to Mordor and the eagles came and took them to Rivendell's fabulous place. And it, to them, it seems like a real place. Children believe that love really is a thing, that life is beautiful, that the future is bright. Jesus says, become like children. We come to our Lord's table today. I want to tell you what I believe about the Lord's table. And children will believe me. If you're a crusty adult, hang with me. You might just get there. What I believe is when we think about the distance between earth and heaven, it's usually however large it is. And as soon as you come to a thin place, today we're coming to the thinnest possible place because when you come forward, it will look to you as if I am just handing you a piece of bread. But actually, what I believe is that mystically, somehow, by some odd miracle in that bread, I'm actually handing you Jesus. And then, you're pretty close there, like Jesus in your hand, but then it's going to get even closer because what you do is you take that and you take it into your body. There is no distance between you and what is in your body. When you come today, you will walk out of here. If you believe it or not, it's still going to be true. You will walk out of here with Jesus in you. <laughs> 
And how lovely is that? How magnificent is that? That's why we can face things like the dying of someone that we love, the separation. We say, I will never leave you, but they, they leave us, they do. And it's heartbreaking, but they, they are with God. We will be with God. And in the meantime, we can praise God like little children. It's beautiful hopeful. Thanks be to God. Let us go to God in prayer. Creator God, in the beginning you said, let there be light. And there was light. Shine the light of your grace, love, and mercy on us as we gather for worship this day. On this Transfiguration Sunday, show us who you are and how we can become more like you. Help us to see you in all your glory. The word may flush, and may this glory through the Holy Spirit transform our lives. In a world filled with hate and injustice, inspire us to build tabernacles of justice, peace, and love until the earth is full of your glory, just as the waters cover the seas. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord Jesus, on this day, when you revealed your glory to your disciples, reveal your glory to us as we gather on the splendor of your love. Help us love you and our neighbors. Show us how to love and care for all people, regardless of culture, race, or ethnicity so that we might learn to live in peace with one another. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. God of all people, we pray for the nations around the world who struggle to survive from day to day. We bring to you those who grapple with a lack of options, inequality and injustice, wars, crime and violence, inadequate health care, water, the necessities that we take for granted, we pray for all who are sick, shut in, lonely, and depressed. We also pray for those who mourn this day, for those who have said their earthly goodbyes to their beloveds. We especially remember the families of Hank Megan and Jimmy Jones in their days of pain and grief. May the promises of life eternal and the assurances of your love that will always be, be abundantly present with them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Finally, we pray for your church, our church, the body of Christ. Bless each leader and followers alike. Unite us in witness and service as we confront our many challenges. Make us instruments of your peace, people committed to being your light in this dark world. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. As the ushers come forward, remind, we are reminded of the wonderful ministries of our church. One of the special things we wanted to celebrate today is the women's retreat, our annual women's retreat. Uh, we had uh, over 100 women who participated over the weekend, a third of whom were first-time attendees. It is through God's continuous goodness and our collective generosity that enables all the ministries of our church that serve so many people. So with thanksgiving, let us receive our morning tithes.
we thanksgiving, we offer these gifts to you, gifts you first given to us. May these offerings become a source for hope for those who are in need in our church, family, and in the community beyond us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Friends, what a great joy to draw near to this thin place of our Lord's table. All reunited Methodist Church, all are welcome here. We would invite you to come. We'll begin with our prayers of consecration. Uh, we'll sing the musical responses. The choir will guide us in doing so. You can find those printed at, on pages 17 and 18 at the front of your hymnal. After the leaders receive, the gushers will guide you in coming forward. You can receive standing. Somebody hand you a piece of bread, dip it gently into the cup, return to your seat by way of the outside aisle. You can receive kneeling. You can also receive a, uh, we have gluten-free, COVID-friendly packets, if you would like one of those, because all are welcome, friends. So let us join together now in the great Thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, on the night in which he gave himself up for us, the Lord Jesus took bread. After giving thanks, he broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. For this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith.
about your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church. All honor and glory are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
Friends, would you join with me now in our prayer after communion, which you will find printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. May the grace of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us for now and forevermore. Mm -hmm. 